Jewish Money Matters, episode 326. What is the nature of a gift? A pre-Shavuot message. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm going solo with a pre-holiday message instead of an interview, something that I hope will inspire you this Shavuot. This Shavuot. I want to talk about gifts, the idea of gifts. One, you could say because, well, you know, Shavuot is coming, and yes, Uh, the code of Jewish law does instruct husbands to buy new clothes and jewelry for their wives before every holiday, obviously, according to his financial means. But just saying, if you need to send a subtle or not so subtle reminder to your husband, although I'm thinking that it might be too late now before Shavuos, but you know, it's something to discuss before the next holiday, perhaps, or on those weekly money dates, you're having those money dates, right? (laughs) And if you need to, you can throw me under the bus. I don't mind at all. Just, you know, but anyway, let's talk about gifts. I want to talk about gifts, not just because of that law of that halacha, but in the context of Shavuot, which is only a few days from today, as you may know, Shavuot, Shavuot is called Zman Matan Torah Seinu, the time of the giving of our Torah, or if you want, and perhaps more accurately, the time of the gifting of our Torah. So gifts, we all like receiving gifts, right? And many of us also like giving gifts. Yes, I know I do. I love giving gifts and I love receiving gifts, both. So why do, why do we give gifts? What is the idea behind a gift? There's a beautiful insight that I heard from Rabbi Elimelech Biderman in the name of Rabbi Shimshon Pincus, where he notes the wording in the Torah portion of Bechukosai, which we read two weeks ago. And it's usually read around this time of year, on Shavuos time. And it says, if you will follow my decrees and observe my commandments, I will provide you rains in their time and the land will give its produce and the trees of the field will give its fruit. Now, even though most of us do not engage in farming or agriculture as let's say, it's not the economic engine of our lives, we still understand that this blessing is one of material prosperity prosperity, right? Regardless of whether we own a field or not, we understand that when the Torah says, I will provide rain at the right time and produce and fruit, etc., it's saying you will be blessed materially. And yet the Torah could have simply just said that. It could have said, if you go in the path of Torah, if you follow my commandments, you will become wealthy, you will have uh, gold, silver, etc. It's something that everyone can relate to, but it didn't. Why? Why did God choose to communicate the blessings in these terms? If the consequence of us following the Torah was going to be material prosperity, which evidently it is, rain, produce of the land, fruit, why not specifically come out and say it in a way that is clear and more applicable, whether you own a field or not, which happens to be most of us. Our field is, you know, our offices and our businesses. Most of us are not outworking the land, literally. So Rapinkus explains that the Torah is telling us something very particular about the nature of a gift. A gift is given to increase the closeness between the giver and the receiver, right? We give a gift because we care, because we want to convey our feelings of closeness. 
by the way, again, you can mention, maybe mention this to your husband as pre, pre <laughs> pre-holiday hint and throw me under the bus if you need to. I won't mind at all. But anyway, a gift is something intended to increase the closeness. So Rapinkus explains that God doesn't talk about wealth, gold, and silver in this scenario because of the inherent risk that these things have of creating a distance, of distancing the receiver from the giver, from God, which is what we know as the test of wealth, so to speak. As we know, the test of wealth is precisely that we will distance ourselves from God, the source, capital S, because we might fool ourselves to think that it's all our doing, the work of our hands, etc. something that the Lubavitcher Rebbe spoke about often, something also very clearly spelled out in the Sharabitachon, in the Gate of Trust, in the Gemara, etc. So the tendency is that when one has money, one feels secure, meaning Even if there's a famine or a drought, I can take my money and I could go somewhere else. I can go elsewhere to and buy food there, right? There's that feeling of security that with the money, I'll be able to get out of a bind. But when it comes to the crops and the livestock, things are very different because those things can get completely wiped out in a plague or a frost or a flood, which would destroy our finances completely. So when it comes to our crops and our livestock, the things that the Torah mentions in the blessing, it is a lot clearer that we're going to turn to God for help, that we're going to have to. It's only natural that we must turn to God for help because nothing else can make these, these, the, the, this land yield fruit. Nothing else can, can help the produce, right? So we see that right there in the precise way that the blessing is crafted, God, the ultimate giver, is teaching us what a true gift is. It's something that creates connection between the giver and the receiver. And thus, he prefers, he chooses gifts that guarantee the continuous connection between him and his children. And that is precisely what the Torah is. That gift that we're receiving on Sman Matan Torah Seinu, the time of the giving or the gifting of our Torah. Torah is the biggest gift of them all. And opening it, learning it, living it, that's what connects us to our creator. That's what brings us close, that closeness that God wants. And I'll tell you a story to hopefully inspire you to open that gift and discover, rediscover it, if you will. This is the story. It's a true story, a true story of a masterpiece, a piece of art that was discovered amidst the clutter in an eccentric man's estate. This man's name was Mr. Ernest Onyan. And Mr. Onyan had spent most of the 1940s and 50s rummaging through estate sales across the English countryside, amassing a vast, vast collection. Now, what happened is over the years, his personality evolved from passionate collector to paranoid hoarder. First, he filled his entire farm to the brim with all his all the stuff that he would acquire in these estate sales, and then he proceeded to build shacks to store his artifacts and artwork and antiquities. And in his later years, Onyan wouldn't even allow anyone to see his quote-unquote collection. He wouldn't even insure it because he didn't want the appraisers to see it. Instead, he devised his own makeshift alarm system and crazy contraptions, and he would sleep with a loaded gun under his bed. After Onyan's passing, his family, he was estranged from his children, by the way. And so his children 
they, they were totally uninterested in dealing with the the estate and, and the clutter, right? And so they handed it off to Sotheby's to liquidate. So, okay, so Sotheby's did whatever it needs to do, you know, Sotheby's the auction house, and there was an upcoming auction, and so uh, collectors received their catalogs for the upcoming auction, which included pictures of some of the things that Sotheby's had found in in Onion's uh, collection. Among those collectors who received the catalog was the great art historian and dealer Sir Dennis Maon. And he was browsing through the catalog and a picture, perhaps the size of a stamp, really, if you've ever seen those catalogs, they're pretty small pictures. This picture caught caught his, his, his attention. It was listed with the title, The Sack of Carthage, meaning the destruction of the city of Carthage by, by the Romans, which was a historical event. And painted by a, listed as painted by a relatively unknown 17th century artist and estimated to be sold for 15,000 British pounds. Okay, but now upon close inspection, this Sir Dennis notices there's an incongruous detail here on this tiny image because there's a seven-branched menorah. So he immediately realizes that this piece of art could not possibly be depicting the sack of Carthage. It must be the destruction of the Jews' second temple by the Romans. What's the backstory to this? During the 1600s, there had been a great artist, the 17th century artist, Nicolas Poussin, who had painted two portraits of the destruction of the Second Temple. One sat in the Museum of Vienna, and the second portrait had been lost since the 18th century. Incredulously, Sir Dennis realized that unbeknownst to Sotheby's, he was looking at the long-lost Poussin. So... The day of the auction comes and he goes and he bids for the picture at the auction. Now, of course, upon seeing the eminent Sir Dennis bidding, others realize that he must have, he must know something that we don't know. And they also place their bids. But eventually Sir Dennis bought the painting for a 155,000 British pounds. And a few years later, he sold it to Lord Rothschild for its true worth, 4.5 million pounds. And then Lord Rothschild in turn donated it to the Israel Museum in Jerusalem, where it hangs today. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you didn't even know this interesting story, the backstory of this painting. And of course, ironically, many some some of Onyan's family, some of his children later sued Sotheby's for negligence for having undervalued their family's hidden treasure. But I share this story now. It's a very, very powerful story. And it's a story that gives us a, an important message, especially now as we approach Shavuos, the holiday of the giving and the receiving of our Torah, or like we said, the gifting of our Torah, because it is an opportune time to ask ourselves, what am I doing with that gift? Do I really appreciate the value of the gift that God has given me, that he has handpicked me to give this gift to? Is my Judaism, my connection to God, something that my parents or my grandparents valued, but is really of no meaning or value to me, like Mr. Onyan's children, right? Will our children blame us or ultimately pity us for not teaching them to appreciate the value of the great treasure to which they were bequeathed, the value of the treasure which they've inherited? And the truth is that just like in the story of the lost masterpiece, right, This, this incredible piece of art, 
we we can't be in a position to recognize, to appreciate and benefit from a gift we've inherited, we've been gifted, unless we're well educated about it, unless we know it, unless we are like Sir Dennis, the expert art dealer with the knowledge to discern the value of what he's looking at. So perhaps now is a good time to take a closer look at how I'm relating to this gift, to this rich tradition, to plumb its meaning and depth and to rediscover the value, the worth of our gift, of our inheritance, of our invaluable hidden treasure, our Torah. And we can all find 25 minutes, 30 minutes once a week, and we can all make them non-negotiable because the truth is that they are. Because in order for me to really understand the value of that hidden treasure, I have to know it. And it's not enough to say, well, I learned it in high school or I learned it in seminary. No, it has to happen continuously, regularly, right? God gives us the Torah every day. This is not a once a year event. We're giving the gift, like I said at the beginning, because he wants the relationship, the, he wants the closeness. And the truth is that we do too. That's exactly what our, what our, um, what our nefesh elokis, what our, um, what our neshama, what our soul wants, right? And and the only way to value that gift and to achieve that closeness in the relationship is through opening the gift that God has so carefully curated for us. So my blessing to us all is may we be blessed with a Kabbalah Satorah B'Simcha B'Panemius to joyfully internalize the Torah anew. And I will see you here after Shavuos. Be sure to send in your questions for our Ask Gail Friday episodes and to leave a review and rating on your Apple Podcast app. Have a Chag Sameach.